Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to fellowship and worship you, Father. And we thank you and praise you for this message. We pray that it goes out and will not return void. And it will accomplish what it was set to do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so this, um, they were on a flight um, from Boston to Milwaukee, which is not a long flight. And there was a blind lady sitting in economy, and she decided she didn't want to sit in there anymore, and she was going to first class. And so she gathered up her stuff and stormed up the aisle and went and sat in first class. Well, the, the little stewardess said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but you paid for um, coach. You can't sit in first class. And she said, I don't care. I'm sitting where I want to sit. And so she got louder and louder. So the, the, the stewardess went to the cockpit and said, I got a lady who won't listen. And she's back here and, and, and she's supposed to be in coach, but she's in first class. So the co-pilot said, no problem. I'll get up and go talk to her. Maybe authority will help it. Goes to talk to her and said, I don't care. I'm, not, I'm sitting where I want to sit. I don't care what you say. So the co-pilot says, man, I don't know what to do. And, and the pilot said, well, what's going on? He said, this blonde lady's sitting in first class, and she's supposed to be in coach. The pilot said, wait a minute, she's blonde? He said, yeah, he said, I'll handle it. So the pilot gets back and gets up, walks down the aisle, kneels down, says something to her real quiet. lady picks up her stuff, storms back down the aisle, and gets in coach. They said, man, that's amazing. We've been trying to get her to move. And he said, Y'all just don't know how to approach blondes. We said, well, tell us the secret. He said, it's easy. I told her first class wasn't going to Milwaukee. <clears throat> if you're blonde, don't hate me. I got to tell some kind of joke. <clears throat> um, I mean, really, if I can't tell my other jokes, I'm running out. So, um, so what we're going to talk about this week is really a continuation, and it's going to be three weeks. But it's really a continuation of last week. And last week, the title was really Blood Bought, right? And we talked about the transaction that took place that when Jesus' blood was spilled and how valuable of a commodity that was, right? That, that Jesus' blood was such a valuable commodity. That it's the most valuable substance that ever was. And what we're going to talk about today is the significance, and I'm going to try to keep it to two, but to two things that happened to him during this week, and the significance of each, right? Because if you read the New Testament, especially the Gospels, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens up until this week, but starting today through next Sunday, Monday, lots of stuff happens, right? I mean, the Gospels are filled with one week. And, and, and you know, there was a lot of things that happened, and, and, and Jesus went about and did lots of good stuff, but a lot of the, the four Gospels were written about this week. And really, to preach a sermon on just this week, it would take me a month, right? I mean, with all the things and the significance of each individual part of what happened, probably two months, of what happened in this week. But we're just going to talk about two little parts of what happened this week. And it's, I was telling Dr. Bill before church, I, I, I know the story, I've heard the story, and I saw stuff praying this week that I've never put together A and B equals C, ever, ever, ever. And it's amazing in the layers of what God's Word is to us and what it means to us and how many different layers you can drill down and get into. And, and then, in, in standing in the pulpit, it's the struggle of you don't want to be superficial and just preach the Sunday school version of what happens this week, but I'm afraid if I get down here, then maybe not everybody can keep up, not that you can't keep up, but I can't explain it well enough for everybody to get it. So I got to stay somewhere in the middle, and I, I want to make sure that we know what's taking place. 
So I want to start in Matthew chapter 20. And this is before, right? This is before the week started, <clears throat> I think. Pretty sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Jesus was walking and talking. That's all that matters. So verse 20, uh, I mean, chapter 20, verse 17. Now Jesus was going to Jerusalem, and on the way he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to, yes, yeah, so it was before because he hadn't entered Jerusalem yet. We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised back to life. Now, this is before the week starts. We hadn't even got Jerusalem. We hadn't rode the donkey. We hadn't laid down the palms down. We hadn't said, Hosanna, praise to the king. We hadn't, you know, turned over the tables in the temple. I mean, all the things that's getting ready to happen. But he laid out what was fixing to happen in the week. I am going to be turned over. I am going to be condemned. I am going to be beaten. I'm going to be flogged. And I'm going to be crucified, right? I mean, he told them before. And actually, the King James Version, it gets a little bit better because it says mocked, flogged, spurged, and crucified. And that spurge is important, that, that what, what's fixing to happen. And the wounds that take place in this week all signify something completely different. And, and, and this is where it got deep for me. So if you turn with me to Matthew 27... 27. Now, look here. From, from the chapter 20 to chapter 27 of Matthew is a bunch of pages and a bunch of stuff transpired between A and B. But Matthew 27, 27, it says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus, and they gathered a whole company around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they set it on his head. And they mocked him. And he jabbed this crown of thorns down in the top of his head, and it, it punctured his scalp, right? And then you start thinking about what is the significance, and where did that come from? Where does this crown of thorns come from? Well, you know, in our world, we, you know, you can go in the bushes right out the back of the church, or in your yard, or anybody's yard, and run into some plenty good briars, and I mean, if you can't find any, go in Santee Swamp and find briars that we call wait-a-minute vines because when you get tangled in them, it's, well, wait a minute, i got to back up because they're pretty um, vicious, right? So they, they twisted together this crown of thorns and they crammed it down on his head. But the significance of it is, is where did the thorns come from? Where did the thorns come from? Well, that's an interesting question. So let's turn all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> and there's lots of stuff that happens in 3, but I want to turn to verse 17 again. And, Adam, and, and to Adam, so, so wait a minute. So what's happened so far is, is Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were given authority over everything and dominion over all the plants and animals and everything. And they were told not to eat, right, of two trees. And they did that, right, the serpent had, Fool Eve and then Adam followed and, and <clears throat> they were naked and then they built them some clothes and then God was upset because who told you you were naked and why did you do what you were supposed to do? And then God kind of, you know, explained to them why this is significant. And there's some significant points that take place in Genesis 3, like, I don't know, um, 8 all the way down 
through this whole paragraph right here, but, but I really want to just for time start at seven. And God, and to Adam, he said, God said, because you listened to your wife and you ate the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you to, you must not eat from, right? I gave you a direct, a direct order. Do not eat from this tree. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. But you ate from the tree. Sure did. Okay, cool. Cursed is the ground because of you and through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you. So wait a minute. Before Adam fell, the earth did not contain thorns. Before man sinned, the earth did not contain thorns. Now, I don't understand that concept because I've only seen the earth after man has sinned. But before man sinned, there were no thorns. So if Adam doesn't sin, there is no thorns, there is no crown of thorns. Well, wait a minute. If Adam doesn't sin, then Jesus doesn't have to come and die on the cross, right? Because Paul says because of the sin of one man, all men were condemned because of the blood of the man. But because of one man, Jesus came and was redeemed from that curse. So when he took the part of the curse, I, I, I've read that, you know, that, that, that scripture in Deuteronomy that cursed, Jesus redeemed us from the curse because cursed is every man that's hung upon a tree, right? So Galatians 3.13, it says that he redeemed us from the curse. But what part of the curse? Because the thorns were part of the curse. The part of the curse that he wore to the cross. And I, I'd never seen that before ever when I was praying this week. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I mean, it was, it had to be relevant, right? I mean, why would it be important for God to put Jesus in a situation to have the crown of thorns? Because that crown of thorns, <clears throat> wait a minute. So what was the mindset of Adam and Eve the instant that God said that I'm banishing you from the garden the ground is cursed, and you are cursed, right? It is shame and guilt. And that's significant. The significance of their shame and their guilt and their I don't even I can't even explain the the, the, the emotion that I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, I know if you let somebody down that's like your parent or your spouse or, or your friend and you just you fall and you don't do right and you let somebody down you know that gut-wrenching feeling that man I really messed up can you imagine doing that to God A after he came down and, and created this beautiful garden for you and all of this stuff and all of this food and all of this paradise absolute paradise after God created paradise Adam and Eve let him down. I mean, they're, they're only human, right? And, and, and that's the, the, the moral of the story is they're only human and they sinned and they fell. But that gut-wrenching feeling to let down the creator of the universe was transferred into the curse, right? And that curse was toted for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. And then if you fast forward to Matthew 27, we wound together... Those thorns, <clears throat> that curse, and we crammed it on the head of the perfect lamb. And his blood ran down his temple. <clears throat> and after they put it on his head, verse, we'll go back to verse 27 because I kind of left that. They, they stripped him, 28, 
29, they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and they took the staff and hit him on the head, which was still covered by the crown of thorns, driving it deeper into his head. And again and again, and they mocked him. And then they stripped him again and took his robe off and put his own clothes And they led him away to crucify him. What kind of feeling does that have to feel like? As you're standing in front of a false accuser, having a crown of thorns put on your head, being beaten with a stick. Now the interesting thing is, is at the time we had different levels of discipline depending on what your crime was, right? I mean here, right now. If you get a speeding ticket, you don't get the electric chair, right? So think about the things that Jesus had done, right? And then he was arrested. That's a level of punishment, right? First he was warned and he told him to leave and go away. And if you don't stop doing this, we're going to arrest you. And then he was arrested. And then he was flogged with a stick and insulted. And then the next thing they did is they spurged him. Before I get all the way into the spurging part, it's interesting to me that if you go to, oh, let me get my scripture right. Man, I got a bunch of them. <clears throat> Second Timothy 4, 8, it talks about a crown of righteousness. Now, if you had the perfect lamb of God who was righteous and right standing in God's view, right? He never sinned. He earned the crown of righteousness, right? He deserved the crown of righteousness. What did he get? He got the crown of thorns, which is the crown of shame and the crown of guilt, right? And he swapped his crown for mine. He swapped his perfect crown, the crown of righteousness, for the crown of shame and guilt, and ridicule for me he didn't deserve what was taking place right but because he took his crown of thorns to the cross i then get to wear the crown of righteousness see when the transaction takes place over this week there are all kinds of levels of transaction that's taking place right if you if you ever have been in any kind of contract negotiations or bought or sold anything lots of things are simple contracts right and you don't really think of them as a contract, but you, think of, you, you don't really think of them as a contract. Like if you, if you walk in Walmart and, and you, you get you a, a, a Mountain Dew or a Pepsi or whatever, and you go to the self-check because there ain't nobody there that works there anymore, and, and you scan the, 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 the drink, it, it's a contract. When you walk in the door, the contract is, is the Pepsi is $1.89 plus tax. And if you want to take it outside and consume it, it costs you the $1.89. And then that's it. You don't really consider the lasting effects. There are no warning labels, right? I mean, they got all the junk printed on the back of the bottle, but y'all don't read that. We, we take the top off and drink it in the parking lot, and everybody's happy, right? But there's a contract that takes place, right? The FDA requires those people to put the, the nutritional value on the back of the bottle. Walmart requires you to pay the $1.89 to walk out the door. If you don't think that's part of the contract, Walmart, go pick one up this afternoon, walk out the front door, they will have something to say about it. 
But the contract part of what's taking place is, is your money is in exchange for this beverage, right? Well, the contract that when Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of the law, there were multiple levels of redemption that took place. He redeemed us from the curse of the law because he was hung on a tree. He also redeemed us from the curse of guilt and shame and being let down, right? Because Romans says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. Well, how did that take place? Because he took the shame and put it on top of his head, and he was ridiculed and beaten and embarrassed and spit on and harassed where I didn't have to be. Because I deserved to be beat on and ridiculed and spit on and embarrassed because of who I am, because I am sinful man. He didn't deserve it. So he redeemed me. So the reason that Paul can write in Romans, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, he had to complete every part of the transaction. God didn't do anything that just by, oops, that's just kind of how it worked out. I mean, you go back the week before Jesus said, before he gets to Jerusalem, all right, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be spurged. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be crucified. Nothing that happens in the next seven days after he says that is happenstance. And the idea somehow that, well, you know, they would just, I mean, the guards are being creative and, and somebody said, whoo, I've got an idea. Let's put a crown of thorns on his head and job it down. In this. I mean, can you all imagine the IQ of a Roman guard at this point in time? What they smelled like, what they looked like. I mean, not can't be really educated folks. They weren't creative types, right? They were looking for something to do. And they said, well, I'll be a guard. I'll beat him in the head. And, they, and, and what they did was fulfill prophecy. And they created a trans, uh, completed a transaction that they had no idea. No idea of what was taking place. There's not a Roman guard in the bunch that knew that when Adam fell in the garden and was cursed and the ground was cursed, that thorns appeared. Not a single one. I can't imagine it was. In fact, I would bet most of the Bible scholars didn't put two and two together and get four either. But God in his infinite wisdom put together a transaction to where the ridicule and shame that comes from sin was on top of his head and he paid that price too. <clears throat> and then they spurged him. So if you know what a spurge is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a verb and, and it's a noun. Um, and it's a lot of different ones. And if, if you've got a second, Google it and look at images, you see some pretty interesting stuff, uh, neat ways to beat people and rip flesh from their body because that's what it was. But the particular one that the Romans used in general was also called the cat of nine tails. So it was a mostly leather and twine whip that's pretty stiff about this long. And then it had another group of nine arms that came off of it. And in those things was braided into bone and metal and glass Right? It wasn't just a whip, right? Like Indiana Jones. I mean, you know when he's... Not that. It, it, it actually had a, um, like a big bull head on it. And then out of that head came nine arms, right? And those nine arms were, you know, they would, when, when, it, when it hit, right? When it hit, those arms would wrap up and stick, right? So if you were to hit somebody, it would stick in them, Right? And then the next motion, they would rip down 
to where it will pull the flesh away from the body, right? That's the, that was the whole intention from the scourge, right? So if you were just a so-so criminal and you did stuff that the Romans didn't like, they'd beat you with a stick, right? They would flog you, right? That was a, that was a punishment. You were being flogged. And Paul was flogged a couple of times. Some of the other disciples were flogged. So that was like misdemeanor stuff. We don't like what you're doing. We're going to beat you with a stick. Here you go. The spurging was then, you know, repeat offenders or heinous crimes or people that wasn't doing so good, right? People who had been warned or, or been in the prison system before or whatever, and we're tired and tired of dealing with you. And apparently beating you with a stick is not enough. So now we're going to spurge you. And Jesus was not the only person that was spurged, but he was the only innocent person that I know that was ever spurged. So when they beat him with his cat of nine tails, um, um, 39 times, well, it was 40 times minus one, right? That was, the, that was the rule. And so when they beat him, right, those things would wrap up his back and then they would rip the meat off of the body, right? And if you ever look at a, uh, there's some depictions of what it looks like on Google or whatever if, you, if you're interested. But basically, when you raked it down, it would, it would turn into nice pretty stripes, right? And then over and over, it would dig meat away from the bone and then more meat away from the bone and then more meat away from the bone. It's over and over and over. I mean, 39 times, I mean... I've been spanked a bunch, but I don't think Mama's ever spanked me 39 times on one. I mean, she'd probably run out of gas. I mean, she's she not enough cardio for her to get the 39 spankings. I mean, that would be a lot. Um, Daddy would have probably got involved after about four or five, and then it would have ended quickly. Um, but 39 times he got hit with this spurge. 39 times he got hit with this spurge. And each time it ripped flesh away from his body. And you think about the blood and the meat and the skin that was being removed every time he was hit. And you go, man, I just wish there was some reason he took that. Well, then if you go to 1 Peter 2.24, or you can go back into Psalms where it was said the first time, it says, by his wounds or by his stripes, my body was healed. See, that's the next part of the transaction. First, we got rid of the ridicule and the shame and the, and, the, and the guilt, right? And then we worked on our physical body in the next part of the transaction that, that I actually was being healed by the, each time that they beat him, that my healing was coming from the blood that was spilled out of his back. Each time that they hit him, <clears throat> healing dripped out of his back. <clears throat> Miss Rourke told me one time you can't cry and drink water at the same time, so I might need another cup of water before we get done. But each time that they beat him, they ripped the flesh from his back. Each time that he did, what I hear is, this is for healing. This is for healing. 39 times. <clears throat> Thirty-nine times. And when I hear somebody say, God don't want you healed. Oh man, my flesh wants to beat them. Just once. Just take one whack. If you want to know what it feels like, let's just get one shot. I won't even put the bones and the, and the metal and, and the glass in it. You just get the whip. Just the, just the leather. Let's give you one good lash with the leather. And then tell me again how the Savior of the world did not want you healed. 
Do you think that he did that symbolically? Do you think he took the beating for nothing? Do you think he put on the crown of thorns for nothing? Do you think he was ridiculed and mocked and spit on for nothing? Come on, we're smarter than that. We're more, we're more involved in God's word than that. We know what God, we know that God's word says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. We knew that he said it the week before that he already had a plan. Now, during this week, Jesus did go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? I mean, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, translation, boss, if there's any other way to go about doing this, I'm for that. I'm for that. If there's a plan B, if for some reason in the last 33 years or so since I've been on this planet, you came up with another solution that does not require for what I'm getting ready to do, I'm okay with that. And I think it says he sweated blood. It was another blood transaction, right? It was, it was the last time that he was going to talk to God, to be in prayer like that before this process started, right? I mean, right, he went in the Garden of Gethsemane and they went to sleep. And he came back and talked to him and then he went again and then they went to sleep again, right? And then they showed up and Judas kissed him and then they cut off, Peter cut off the dude's ear and then Jesus prayed for him and got him healed, right? Wait a minute, I didn't think he wanted everybody healed. Well, I mean, the guy was coming to arrest him, he healed him too, Right? And then, and then, they put the crown of thorns on him. And, and, and then during the whole trial and everything that takes place, I mean, if you're, if we, right now, if we are accused of some sin or crime or something, we want the opportunity to go and speak on our behalf, right? I mean, that's all that you care for in the, in the Justice Department, right? Is I want an opportunity to give you my side of the story. Jesus stood in front of his accusers and said nothing. Why? Because he was not guilty. He couldn't lie. He couldn't say, no, I didn't. He couldn't lie. He was without sin, without blemish. For the transaction to take place, he would have had to either say, no, this is contrary to what you're saying, and got all free, or said nothing and took my punishment. So he said nothing and took my punishment. He took the crown of thorns. He was flogged. He was spit on. He was stripped naked. I mean, and then, you know, most of us, that would probably pretty be pretty significant situation too, right? I mean, I don't know if y'all ever been stripped naked in public and beaten with a stick, but I would think that would probably hurt your feelings just a little bit. Especially after they crown the crown of thorns in your head and then made fun of you and spit on you and and it's, it's hilarious, right, that at that moment in time that God took the opportunity for the worst people on the planet, in theory, that were beating and torturing the Son of God to get down on their knees and worship Him. Because at the end of the story, when it's all said and done, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Those guys just got a head start. That's all they did. They just was, they was before their time. But when he took the crown in his head and it was crushed down in his head and he took the stripes on his back, both of those transactions are significant. They're both significant. They both matter. And the stripes that were toted because of our healing, that his body was broken because of our healing, was next level punishment, right? Flogged. Misdemeanor, 
Spurging a little more, little more, right? And y'all know what happens next, right? We lead him down the road, we make him tote the cross, and it, soon we're going to crucify him. So, petty thief, mid-road criminal, murderer, whatever, right? That was, that was the, 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 I mean, they didn't have a lot of, you know, six months probation and a $50 fine. They didn't have a lot of those kinds of things, right? They didn't have work release programs or... He didn't pay his child support, so he got like two months in jail, and then he got to get out, right? That, 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 they didn't have a very complex system. Uh, we told you to stop. We beat you with a stick. We beat you with a spurge. We hung you on a tree. But in each level of that, was Jesus guilty of any of the sins? No. Were we? Yes. So the first two parts of the train, we go finish next week. The first two parts of the transaction... Guilt, ridicule, condemnation went on top of his head. Sickness, disease went on his back. <clears throat> and it troubles me when we get to the point to where we don't understand the transaction that took place. When you want to talk about that, that, that healing ain't for today and it's not real, Man, I didn't use all my scriptures. I'm so sorry. But he paid our price for healing right then. Now, going forward, he's going to pay our price for salvation. And then that's the, that's the one, right? He redeems the world through salvation. But leading up to that, he paid multiple penalties for nothing he was guilty of for me. This whole week, everything that was set up, everything that was said, Everything that was done, every drip of blood that came out of him was for me. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who went to Calvary for us. Father, and we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.